Thanks for tuning in to the Nick and Matt Show. Be sure to check us out on your favorite social platform and subscribe on iTunes. Coming at you guys with episode number 13. Nick, it looks like you're sitting in a closet all alone. You are not here in studio with me. Where are you? I know. I'm sorry. I'm actually up in Turner, Maine at the moment uh, playing a B tier for the weekend. So Simon and I decided to come up a day early. I feel bad. I'm not in the studio right now. We have a phenomenal episode coming up tonight, but I'm doing the best I can. (laughs) You're doing the best you can. You got your iPhone and earbuds and maybe we'll cross our fingers, a solid internet connection, but everybody who's joining us, whether it's YouTube or Facebook, or you're listening to the audio recording later uh, via podcast form, we are so excited to have you join our, our show every single week. You've proven it by even getting over to YouTube and subscribing. We've had people reaching out. How do I get in on the 1000 subscriber giveaway? And I said, you got to go over to YouTube and subscribe. That's not to discredit Mm -hmm. our podcast listeners or Instagram followers or Facebook, but that's one area we are trying to grow. And Nick, we reached a thousand. We're there. We did it. So a little bit over, we're a little bit over it now. (laughs) Like a thousand and one. No, I think we're at like, if if I had to guess at like a thousand and sixty, something in that range. So we're going to have Eagle choose a number tonight. um, And we're going to pick a winner for, and I don't have the spec on it, but it's an MVP disc golf bag. Uh, like legitimate mm-hmm. bag and Nick, you're giving away a disc or two or three I'm, or your bag. You're just going to give away your whole yeah. bag. Yeah. Yeah. My whole bag, depending on how the tournament goes this weekend, will <laughs> depend whether I'm giving away one disc or my whole bag and quitting disc golf. So Wait, we don't, we don't know yet. Am, am I incorrect <laughs> in saying, do you remember, was it Eagle who gave away his bag and discs out in Europe? Was that Eagle? Yeah. Yeah, he was tossing them after the round. He was just like throwing them like, here, you get a disc, you get a disc. And everyone was going bananas. So speaking of Eagle, speaking of that character, that disc golf guy. No, not the disc golf guy, that disc golf guy. Not the disc golf guy, but a disc golf guy. A A really good, a really good disc golf guy. So he's coming on the show here actually in just a little bit. We are going to talk and we're not going to make him talk through it. We'll talk through a portion of it with him, but Idle Wild the Disc Golf Pro Tour tournament that just took place mm-hmm. last weekend. We're going to talk through some of those stats, like what it took to win as far as average ratings, people we are surprised yep. who didn't cash, just like we do previous weeks. We'll do that for both MPO yeah. and FPO. We might talk later in the show towards the end about some trends we're seeing with ratings of players um, and some surprises mm-hmm. there. Tonight we have, and he will be participating, Eagle McMahon will be participating in Judge That Disc Golfer. If that's something that interests you, you're not going to want to miss that. And we're bringing back, we're bringing back the game, internet disc golf questions. Nick, do you know or remember any of your favorite questions to date? (laughs) Uh, Probably the ones that are like, oh, no, I think my favorite one was the one where the guy was like, hey, does anyone have the contact info for so-and-so? Just on a random forum. Yeah, that kind of. That got me laughing. Yes, that was excellent. So we're bringing that back. We'll talk about Ledstone is actually happening right now. And at the as t- we speak, it's going on. Yeah. At the time of this recording, I think they're at like hole 12. And I'm not going to lie. That course over there in Northwood Gold seems to be playing extremely slow. Like the round yesterday, oh, yeah. it was dark on the East Coast and like they're still going. Yeah. So we're going to talk think, about I Ledstone. Nate Heinold had said, yeah, I think Nate Heinold had said it was like a four and a half hour round or maybe even a little bit more than that, which is it's insane. Wow. <clears throat> so we're going to talk about that a little bit. 
um, some other general disc golf news um, that's happening. And again, like I said, we're going to give away the thousand subscriber giveaway. And don't wait to subscribe over on YouTube if you have, because we're going to start right now, Nick, the 2K subscriber giveaway. 2K giveaway. Yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome. All right. So yeah. let's do this. Without further ado, if, is how they say that, let's go ahead and bring in our guest here, our special guest of the evening. Whenever he wants to come on the show, he's just got a pass in. But we reached out to him and he said, sure, sounds like fun, which we totally appreciate. Let's go ahead and bring him in now. Eagle McMahon, how are you doing? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. Much appreciated. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate that. Yeah. Sorry for the for internet connection. I will I will say that right now just to get that out of the way. <laughs> well, we'll make do with it. I mean, I'm I've probably I'm probably just as blurry as you right now. So. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you're making me look too clear. You know, it's like I, I got to downgrade yeah. my quality. So we're making you better looking, Matt. We're helping you out. <laughs> okay. No, the pot. Yeah, <laughs> the podcast listeners are blessed. They don't have to see us. So Eagle. Yeah, man. So can we just start off on something that I found kind of humorous? And I noticed that you stayed in an Airbnb during D-Glow and you went live for a little bit because something happened with your door. And can I just ask, like, did that door ever get fixed? Oh, boy. Yeah, I guess you can say it's funny in retrospect. And I guess there was moments of humor during the whole ordeal, but uh, get back from uh, playing practice round over at the toboggan. Get back to the Airbnb in uh, Ann Arbor, and you know you want to go get back into your room because that's where you sleep. That's where all your stuff is. But you find that the door is locked, and you have no idea why it's locked. So then you search the entirety of the Airbnb trying to find uh, maybe a key, maybe something to pick the door. And you, try, you get creative, but to no avail, you don't open the door. So at a certain point, you just chip around the door handle with a butter knife. And, you know, you know oh, no. unlock, the door, unlock the door by creating a hole in it uh, and ruining the door, wishing that you call a locksmith. But, yeah. yeah, not the best, not the best thing to do, but shout out to my boy, Thomas in Ann Arbor. He came by with uh, power tools. We bought a new door at Home Depot. Uh, he had a pretty pretty good background in fixing that kind of stuff. So he helped me throw a new door on there. And you know that that's just the part of being on the road. You you never know what you never know what you're going to get yourself into. You you learn different skills. And you know now I know how to put on the door. So that's that's great. <laughs> Nice. Hopefully, hopefully you won't have to use those skills again, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of a rough way to start your practice week and everything like that. So glad, glad it obviously worked out in the end. Unfortunate that you had to put on a new door and everything, but Hey, everyone, spoiler alert, you did win D glow. So I think you had a couple extra bucks laying around. You were able to afford it. You know, it's a good thing about winning a pro tour event. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely, definitely, a happy that I won Deglo to pay for it, even though it was only <laughs> it ended up only being like fifty bucks to get a new oh, door. Nice. It, it wasn't bad at all. Definitely had a little bit of cash left over from it to mm -hmm. you know maybe go buy some more doors. Yeah. Um, but yeah. 
D Glove was uh, all in all a success. No, I, I think you could say that to say the least. I mean, honestly, you three rounds, bogey free, 11 down, 11 down, 11 down. Just you had 11 birdies every round just on different holes throughout the whole thing. Did you have what, what was your favorite hole there? It was your first time out there. What do you think kind of like favorite hole and least favorite hole? So Deagolo is kind of a course that, uh, you know, when I started playing disc golf back in uh, 20, uh, 2007, it was it was very iconic at the time because Discraft did a lot of their clinic videos out there. Um, mm-hmm. Am Nats has been out there for I don't even know how many years, uh, a long history of the Great Lakes Open. So I, I recall watching that course uh, as a kid, seeing them throw the driving range hole, hole one, um, just throwing these massive shots up and down hills. Uh, so it was really cool to be out there. Um, I'd probably say my favorite holes are the, the iconic ones like hole one, two, mm-hmm. three, driving range holes. Uh, but really, the entire course is uh, really fair, and I can say I, I enjoyed myself thoroughly out there. Awesome. That's good to hear. So, obviously, you have multiple wins. I want to get, I have a whole bunch of these questions that I would love to figure out for you. But can I ask you this? Because currently, right now, Ledstone is happening and you're not there. Now, the obvious question is why, but I don't, we don't need to answer that. We've heard you talk about that. I think what I want to know is, who who are you rooting for on the pro tour when you're not playing? I like that question. That's not what I was expecting. I was I was ready to get into why why aren't you playing Ledgestone? I remember I'll just it's kind of funny. Uh, waking up this morning, I'm just looking at my phone, talking to my girlfriend, and I just go on a rant, just like looking through my comments on my YouTube channel, Instagram, and it's just it seems like everyone's just why are you playing Ledgestone? Why aren't you playing Ledgestone? No Ledgestone? Yeah. No Ledgestone. <laughs> I just, it's like, I hear this so often. And, you know, some might think that it's because I dislike the courses. And that's really not it. Um, I, I'm taking it upon myself to play a lot of the courses that I feel uncomfortable on now, uh, you know, just to help push my game further. Um, but the main reason I'm not there is pretty much because of the whole COVID situation and you just, I don't want to, I don't want to push myself too hard at the moment. Um, one of the, one of the easiest ways to catch it and uh, wear down your immune system is push yourself too hard. And I feel like t- the turnaround from Idlewild to Peoria was just too much. I would have had to uh, get too many practice rounds in, in a short period of time. Uh, I didn't really have a great place to stay. Um, I have kind of a special diet. So getting, Getting food out there is a little bit difficult, and I just really didn't plan it all all that well. Um, a lot of the the road warriors, you know, they have their home on wheels, so it's a lot easier for them to go do that, and I don't. So uh, that's kind of the reason I I'm not playing that right now. Mm-hmm. That being said, we we got into the why anyway. Uh, <laughs> I was just gonna say, yeah. <laughs> get it out. <laughs> If Simon was there, I'd probably be rooting for him. Um, but I got to go with uh, my boy, my best friend, Eric Oakley. He's, uh, you know, he's the guy I kind of spend the most time with when I'm out on the out on the road. So seeing him do well uh, makes me happy. I don't think he is really doing that well right now, unfortunately. But, you know, he's got two more rounds at uh, Lake Eureka. Yeah. So hopefully he shreds those. Awesome. Growing up. 
Um, did you have a favorite disc golfer before, like, before you really entered into this competitive pro scene? I'd say I, I had multiple favorites. I can't really narrow it down to uh, one in particular. Uh, I kind of went through phases. I remember uh, for a little while, uh, I threw all discraft, probably when I was like 11 to 13 years old. Uh, mm -hmm. That time, I was a big fan of Nate Doss, Kayla Visco, who was on Discraft at the time, Eric McCabe. He, I remember watching him win a world championship. Um, oh, yeah. Then I, then I started throwing all Innova, and, uh, you know, I was a big fan of uh, Paul McBeth, obviously, uh, Will Shoestrick. I like the way mm -hmm. he threw. Um, I kind of just – I kind of watched the way they threw. I, I kind of picked up on little uh, – some of their nuances when they're – in their technique, tried to add that to my own. Um, and yeah, that was a, that was a big part of me developing my throat is watching them and doing copying them in a lot of ways. So pretty much anybody who was a uh, over 10, 20 rated, I was a fan of and definitely, uh, added some of their, uh, techniques or their techniques to my game. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wow. And, it, and I, I'm still, I'm still fans of them too. They're all, it's it's kind of crazy to meet your idols. Um, you it's probably even crazier to beat to beat, to beat your idols. Weird. You think of them in different ways, but all all in good ways. Uh, like just the just the fact that like I'm having a conversation with Paul McBeth and I can call him my friend is crazy to me. That's like you know that's like me getting into acting and then starting to talk to Robert De Niro and going to eat food with him. It's just it's kind of crazy. It's, yeah, you know. You you look up to someone and then you meet them and you know it's 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 awesome it's awesome that yeah. disc golf is that uh, this inclusive. Mm -hmm. It's definitely it's got to be kind of a cool feeling is you grew up liking all these players, and at this point you've probably you've probably beaten at some point in time all of the players that you look up to who you kind of you know say fanboyed over, and then you get to the point like I remember it was a twenty fifteen Worlds. When I remember watching you on the Joe Mez coverage or the Prodigy Disc coverage, I forget who it was at the time. But here you are competing against Will Schuschrick, Paul McBeth, and I think Nico was on the same card. And you were, you were young back then, probably what 17 years old, and you're playing the lead yeah. card at a professional, you know, the PDGA World Championships with the people who you grew up watching. You know, that's definitely kind of, and on film as well. But that's definitely got to have some cool, trying to think, sentimental value to it. Oh, huge sentimental value. I mean, my my breakout round at Glassstone opened at 2015. I was so nervous to be, you know, to be watching Paul McBeth, Dave Felberg, Will Schustrick all my life, all my disc golf uh, life before that moment. And then all of a sudden be throwing shots on the same card as them. You know, that was, it was completely nerve wracking and, Honestly, I didn't get used to it probably in a good one or two years in so until it was kind of second nature to me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, any any player that's coming up in the ranks now, I imagine that they look up to a certain player. You know, if you if you want to be the best, you're going to have to go through the stage of being nervous around them because, you know, your chances are if you shoot some uh, 1,030 plus rated golf, you're going to you're going to probably play with them. Oh, yeah, exactly. I think it was kind of funny. I remember watching the Showmez episode that they were reviewing the Glass Bowl and Open, 
and there was a shot that you did there. You did a standstill, and you had said on the show, you were like, yeah, I did a standstill because I was playing with Will Shushrick, who was like the king of them, and you yanked it straight out of bounds. <laughs> like, you were expecting a hyzer out of it, and you just, you yanked it. And so I thought that was kind of funny. You know, you, you're you looking up, you're playing with your idol, and you try to mimic one of their shots, and it just, you know, it didn't work out that time, but I, I think you're doing all right from that now. <laughs> sure, sure, I mean, you know, it... In that moment, of course, it was it was disappointing. You know, I was hoping that I could have done a lot better, but you, you know, it's a learning experience. Uh, the fact that I got to that stage and then mm-hmm. realized how much more I needed to do to, you know, stay there and push further. You know, you, I'm sure I'm sure if I I won that tournament, things would have been a lot different. Now I might have had a, a completely different take. I might not even be here. So I'm I'm happy that mm-hmm. things shaped up the way they did. And this is where you're at now. You're here. You just won back-to-back Disc Golf Pro Tour events. You were the first person, I think, this year to win multiple events in the Disc Golf Pro Tour. And you're, what, one of three people to do a total, you, Ricky, and Paul? I think that was, is that what it was? It's something like that. But how, how does it feel? You would said in your Instagram and your Facebook posts and everything, you don't really have the words to describe what you're going through right now. But back-to-back winners what give us kind of now that it's been let's say a week since you won your second one what's it like yeah so winning one gives you this uh this this spike in dopamine and you you almost max out at a certain point you're just like oh my god i i i won a pro tour and then it kind of settles down but you're still pumped i mean i definitely was still riding the high at idlewild uh, definitely taking some of the confidence from Deglo, and then all of a sudden you're thrown back into that position, and you're just like your brain almost doesn't know what to do because like it's almost like too much of a good thing. Um, not saying there is too much of of uh, of winning because that's amazing, but you know it 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 feels great. It, that's that's pretty much all I can say. Yeah. Uh, but the thing that like the thing is you gotta you gotta keep living life. Uh, like it's easy to you know kind of get lost in what you did in the past because uh, you know there's there's more tournaments coming this year and I don't want to get a big head. I don't want to think that oh you know I won two in a row then the the, the third one's going to be easy. Uh, so I'm definitely trying to you know get everything uh, organized in my life so I can get when I get to my, my next uh, destination, I can uh, lock in, go about my uh, business as usual and, you know, play, play against the course and uh, try to uh, focus in the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And so we have people out there and I, sh- I'm sure cause you are pretty social on the interwebs and social media and whatnot. We have people out there who will go, Oh yeah, you're great. You know, on these open courses, bomber courses, but try bringing it to the technical woods. And I want to say this, first of all, I, I checked out, you know, as much as I could find out there about you Eagle. And I saw your most recent blog and I appreciate what you said, and I just want to put it out there for you, and you can touch on it. In the past two and a half years, only twice have you finished out of the top 10, okay? And so to say that you were not good at the woods, that's either everybody assuming for two and a half years you haven't played around in the woods, <laughs> or they just don't understand that to be top 10 at any sport on any course 
does not mean you're poor at playing in the woods. Why do you think so many people say that you are poor at playing in the woods? I think it's because I just, I, I haven't gotten that win in awarded courses. And, uh, you know, it's, it could be for the better, it could be for worse, but we kind of de define our best players by their victories. Um, like you see, you see Paul, he wins almost everything. You see Ricky as a two-time uh, world champion with a bunch of other accolades. And, uh, you know, those are kind of the guys that you focus on. Um, and, uh, I've, I've been lucky enough to snag uh, a fair amount of wins, but, um, aside from Idlewild, most of them have been on slightly more open courses. Um, so, you know, I think that's, that's kind of why people see that. And another reason I, I had one of the two times I did finish outside the top 10 or both times I did finish out on, I finished outside the top 10 at wooded courses. First was 2018, the world championships in Vermont. But funny enough, I, I played well on Brewster and bad on Fox on the open course. Um, and the next one was the Estonian open 2019, which was uh, more of a wooded style course. So I think that that probably contributes to that, that notion, but uh, luckily I feel like I kind of squashed it. Uh, my next event, will most likely be green mountain championships. And I want to, I want to go back with a vengeance and see if I can, uh, you know, continue to prove those people wrong. For sure. Oh, for sure. And I, I was at Idlewild, which I didn't announce that earlier. Well, we announced it last week that I was traveling down there. We didn't know. We took guesses at who would be on the chase card. Um, I don't think Eagle came up in our conversation at all. Yeah. We, we didn't, we didn't bet on you being on the chase card. <laughs> so, let me just say, we kind of, you know, Terry Miller hit me up, the disc golf guy, and said, hey, we'd love, we have an opportunity. Would you come down here and film? Would you come down here and edit, help produce some stuff? And I said, sure, man. And when we started thinking about who do you want on a feature or a chase card, I'm not going to lie, like names like you would come up, other big names, Kevin Jones, Paul McBeth, right? All these players who you're like, they're good enough to win, <laughs> but we want the, the action on the card that we're filming. And when we saw for final day that you got bumped down to chase card, I'm not going to lie, Eagle, you might not like me for this, but I was like, yes. I'm like, this is going to either go really, really good, or it's just going to be like epically bad because I know your competitiveness from my observation that you're in it to win it. You're not going out there to say, oh, I hope I can get top 10. So I knew we were going to see some type of show. Um, I was, I was messaging Terry He's doing disc golf pro tour stuff like live. And I'm like, by whole like four, I'm like, I think there's a hot fire round coming. You guys should come down here. <laughs> so by hole four through 11, can you just kind of touch on your, your average rating? Your average rating was 1,048 for this event. Um, do you feel like the last round was your best round? I don't think my last round was my best round. I think it was the first, um, the middle part of the course, I don't even know how many birdies I strung together. Uh, but at a certain point, I was at 13 under. I think I was 13 mm -hmm. under through uh, hole number 17. And I, I took a double bogey to finish. Uh, and I also, I took a five on 16, which is one of the easier birdies on the course. So I, I demolished the first round with kind of a poor finish. 
Um, so yeah, uh, I have to give the nod to the first round, but of course the second round or no, the third round had magic because of the throw in and the fact that I, I did it when, uh, you know, ultimately I needed to, in order to push towards that, that top spot. Pretty crazy. Another, another chase card win at Elite wild Matt and I talked about this where it's like, Hey, you know, it's a disc golf pro tour. The top players in the world are going to be at those courses. It, it could happen. It's happened before Paul won off the chase card. It's happened at many other events. And Matt was fortunate enough to be able to film you that last round winning from the chase card. And I think everyone kind of figured it out at Deglo. You don't check the scores when you're playing. Most what, of the time. Most, most of the time. Okay. So what, what kind of, what's the reason for that? I'm sure there, you know, are millions of followers that are listening right now. They want to know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe even billions. <laughs> billions uh, at this point. <laughs> so, you know, the last two events, I honestly don't really, I think it's kind of pointless to know the scores in most situations. Um, like, especially, especially if you're not winning. Uh, if you're not winning, then I think it's it's you against the course. Uh, it's better if you play within yourself and really just try to do the best you can do. And guys, practice the course before the tournament and develop a game plan. Know what you're doing on each hole and stick to that. You know, you might you might at the end of the tournament say, "Oh, why did I do this on this certain hole?" But you know. I found this is what I've been doing for the past two years. I've wrote out game plans for my tournament. You know, every every last practice day, and it's it's helped me tremendously. Uh, so I know what I need to do when I'm out on the course, and I stick to it. Uh, that being said, those are the those are the times I don't stick or I don't look at the scores. When I do look at the scores, it's usually when I know I'm in the driver's seat and I'm on a course where the the last few holes are treacherous. Uh, I've actually made a rule for myself that I only check scores on the last three holes of the tournament. So hypothetically, what if I was winning the, the USDGC coming down the stretch? Uh, I know that I'm doing very well and I have a, a lead over uh, the rest of my competitors. Mm -hmm. Tap out the putt on 15, I'm probably gonna be looking at the scores for 16, 17, 18, so I can strategize to hopefully, you know, not do anything that I shouldn't do. Pretty much in any other circumstance though, I think, I think it'd be beneficial for a lot of players just to forget about uh, their competition uh, and just go, go with your preparation. You know, this is when you're out playing a tournament. It's it's your time to perform. Uh, you're not you're not playing. You shouldn't be playing against other competitors. One one quote that I saw that I thought was pretty cool was, "Losers focus on winners, and winners mm -hmm. focus on uh, themselves." Yeah. So I I kind of go I kind of go by that. You know, I listen to some a lot of self help podcasts. One in particular is Chasing Excellence, the CrossFit podcast, believe it or not. And uh, he specifically trains athletes uh, to not look at the leaderboard. Just go with what you did in practice. Do your absolute best. It's a cliche, but, you know, it's, it's one of the best cliches in my opinion. Just, uh, you know, go out there and go out there and grind. 
Mm-hmm. Man, that, that no, leads perfectly. That makes sense completely. <clears throat> yeah, and that leads perfectly to this question that I have for you. You recently said in a review of your round at Idlewild, and I'm kind of quoting it here, I played my own game, I played within myself, I was in the moment. And then you said that that really excited you. Um, it says you've done that better than you ever have before. Can you describe what it means for you to play within yourself and to be in the moment? What does that mean to you? Because you said that following Idlewild. It's really just centering myself before every shot. Uh, I bet a lot of people can think of many times that they didn't take enough time on a certain shot. Uh, they rushed it or, you know, some, some, uh, something beyond their control affected them. I really do my best to not give into those distractions. And if I do, take a deep breath and just, you know, look at my feet, take a second to think, all right, what are you doing? Are you, are you thinking on what's for dinner? Are you thinking that that you need to do laundry? You can, you can think about that later. Think about disc golf right now. And, uh, you know, the last, the last two events, uh, I feel like I've done that pretty successfully. Of course, there's going to be times uh, where your mind drifts. That's natural for everybody. But if you can, if you can uh, be aware that your mind is elsewhere, that's the first step in uh, bringing it back into the current moment. Wow. Yeah. So sure, it's go ahead, Nick. I was going to say, it's kind of funny you say it like that, as in like you're when you're on the course, you're actually trying to focus on, you know, at all times you're focusing on disc golf. Matt, I think weeks four or five, we had Dave Felberg on who used to talk to Ken Climo back when they would compete against each other. And Ken Climo said, you know, Dave, one of the reasons why you're mentally struggling right now is because you're constantly for three and a half hours thinking about disc golf. Ken Climo thinks about disc golf for the 30 seconds he's allowed per throw. You know, that's when he's really focused in on it. So it's kind of cool to see two great players in our sport have completely different mindset views. Wow. Yeah, that's that's interesting to think about. And, you know, I can, I can relate to them. Oh, I love- <laughs> a, a little, little guest appearance. I have the second half of the Crush Boys I also have Casey White and Maki Chap over here. So they all just wanted to say hi really quick. Yeah, to our podcast <laughs> listeners, they're like, why did the conversation just get cut off? So Simon just peeked over Nick's shoulder and was waving and Eagle said hi and it was a good reunion. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. can you can you so there's so much we'd love to talk to you about. Your time is obviously valuable. I want to ask another question here before we get into judge that disc golfer. But one of them here is can you recall a time? when you weren't sure if disc golf was going to be your career choice and then what it was that helped you decide that like, this is it. And I mean, I'm assuming that you're doing so well. I'm assuming that this is it, but was there ever a time when you had to make that choice and uh, how did that, what helped you decide that? Yeah. I mean, it it definitely was, uh, it was uncertain. I think that's the case with um, most people out there right now. Um, so I got, I was fortunate to have a very, a very early start. You know, I, I started playing on the pro circuit just before I graduated high school. Um, and, uh, luckily, um, you know, some people may think this is good and some might think it's bad, but my, my family doesn't have the the classic stigma of, you know, you got to send, you got to go to college to have a good life. You know, obviously I think college is a a great thing for most people. Um, and most people should do it, but, uh, my dad, my grandparents, they helped me realize that I have this unique opportunity and I'm, I'm really good at it. 
So uh, just after I graduated, they allowed me to tour a little bit more. Um, they saw what I was capable of. They saw what, um, you know, the money wasn't too bad, getting signature discs, uh, new opportunities. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, so it was kind of in 2017 where I kind of was thinking, all right, is, is disc golf going to be the route for me or should I maybe go do something else? And, uh, you know, I, I opted for disc golf. Uh, I decided to start taking it a little bit more seriously, started to train, you know, when I'm at a tournament, I'm, I try to make it all business since I have this unique opportunity. I want to maximize my potential out on the course, uh, not, not get in any funny business. I don't, I don't do any sort of, uh, drugs or alcohol. Um, I'm pretty mindful of what I eat. So, uh, when I'm out, when I'm out touring, you know, it's, uh, it's it's an honor that I can be there, so I don't I don't want to waste it. Totally, that's awesome. Yeah, I think examples like you out there are what <sighs> I always bring it up at kids disc golf. We think that we need to spotlight professionals to inspire mm-hmm. the next generation, but it really helps when we have professional disc golfers acting as professional disc golfers. And so, thank you for that, Eagle. Um, yeah, I think. Go ahead, Nick. This generation of this generation of disc golfers right now have all been like, you know, like Eagle, Paul's not into drinking. He's not into drugs, obviously. And there's just so many more athletes now in our sport who are taking it as, you know, Hey, I can make a living out of this. If I can really work towards it, you know, three, four years ago, there was very few players who were actually, actually practicing to get really good at disc golf. And, you know, and Paul's been at the top of the podium for a long time with that. And then, you know, Ricky really started taking it seriously. Eagles clearly started taking it very seriously. And you have more and more players who are finally getting into that spot where disc golf realistically can be made into a professional career now, which is, you know, something that was probably hard to say eight years ago, 10 years ago or something like that. So this newest kind of generation of disc golfers that we have right now, I would say, especially to kids, disc golf is probably the most inspirational generation that we have had so far in disc golf. And now, now even more so because you have so many different players at the top, you know, Eagles winning back-to-back pro tour events. Kevin Jones is, I'm pretty sure right now still leading Ledgestone. You have Paul winning events. You have Ricky, you know, placing in the top three again. It's a pretty diverse group now that are actually competing at these events. It's not just one or two players. So it's incredible actually watching. It's motivating, especially to, you know, a lot of new people coming into the sport, especially with how much camera crews and everything like that we have now, there's so much more exposure into it. It's encouraging to see disc golfers take what they have and actually do something with it. You know, like Eagle said, it's an honor for him to go out and play on the tour. You know, I hope, I would love to hope that every single disc golfer who actually is on the pro tour circuit thinks the same way as you do. Yeah. And one thing I'll add to that, it's, it's cool that there's starting to be a formula for it too. Uh, mm-hmm. I know I, when I started out, it was kind of like a, a shot in the dark. You were just watching random clinic videos. There wasn't a lot of information about touring, but now you can kind of see what a lot of people do in their off time, what you need to be doing to push yourself. So I, I think the way disc golf is growing and the way it's being perceived to the greater audience is, uh, a lot more positive than it may have used to been. True. Agreed. Oh, hundred percent. True. Um, let me ask you this one more question before we move into judge that disc golfer. And can I say this, how has your family 
and I was there when you won Idlewild, okay? And a phone call to your dad, and then um, I guess we can say we were lucky enough that you had it on speakerphone and let us let us share in that moment. And actually, uh, a bunch of the disc golf world, okay, share in that moment with you um, when you realize that you won. Can I ask, how has your family influenced your disc golf success? I, hugely. Uh, I don't have the biggest immediate family. Uh, my mom died when I was nine years old, believe it or not, like the almost a few weeks after I got into disc golf. I don't even think she knew I even played disc golf, which is uh, crazy. Um, so my dad has been one of the biggest influences in my career and I can, I can accredit almost all my except my success to him, uh, taking me out to play, paying for my tournaments and, you know, all in all teaching me the proper etiquette, a lot of mindset out on the course. So, uh, he's, he's really a part of the team. Um, my grand, my grandparents as well. Uh, they always were very supportive of it. My grandma always took me out to the field, watched me throw, gathered discs, took me to that local play against sports, uh, you know, used my monthly allowance on discs. So, um, really they're, they're, they're my support system and I, I couldn't do without them. So whenever, whenever I win, I feel like, uh, they feel like they win too. So it's, uh, it's, it's really special to have them behind me. That's awesome. Wow. Um, I'm just going to take this moment to say, I, for one, as a fan of the sport, did not know that about your mother. And to, when the words came out of your mouth that you're not even sure that she knew you played disc golf, I don't know why, but that just that struck me as an emotional situation. And I know there's people who are listening and following right now who are saying they didn't know. And I don't know if that will inspire others, but um, people will often say they play for somebody or situations. Um, have you ever done that for your mom or do you try to keep that separate? You know, it's it's really interesting to, to think about. I, I, I'm sure I have played, uh, for her in some ways. Uh, you know, one thing that's kind of special is like the Beaver state fling is usually the same weekend that she passed away. And I always feels like, uh, there's some, you know, there's some ominous sense out there. I don't know. Uh, but you know, there's definitely times I think of uh, how she might be influencing my game or things along those lines. Uh, but most of the time, I'd say it's somewhat separate. But, you know, it's it's kind of hard. To, it's kind of a hard thing to, to think about. Uh, I've of course, I miss her, but I feel like I've, I've done a, a good job because, you know, disc golf came at a time where it, it was almost like a coping, a coping mechanism. And it almost took on that like motherly role as crazy as that sounds, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a, there's a lot to, to go over there and I'm not sure we have time and I don't know if I have the words at the moment, yeah. but you know, there, there's, there's something special, uh, with my mom and, and disc golf that's linked. Wow.
Thank you. Oh, for yeah, for sure. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that with us. That's uh, tremendous. I feel like a lot of people. I mean, you have a lot of fans, and I'm sure some of them knew that story, but some of them didn't. I'm sure you're gaining more fans just from the wow, Eagle. Congratulations. Keep on keeping on. So, this will be our last question, and it actually leads right into Judge That Disc Golfer because this is kind of how the game's gonna go. But if Eagle, let me ask you this: We were to give you ten putters, okay? <laughs> Nick's laughing because we asked this when we judge the disc golfers. Um, What is acceptable amount of putts that would go in for you um, from Circle's Edge? An acceptable amount. If I gave you 10 putters. Circle's Edge. I'd probably say uh, about 70%. So seven. Okay. And that's what you're saying is acceptable for you. Um, How far would you? I think everyone. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Matt. Oh, I was going to say, I think everyone in chat right now, I can't see the chat today, but I feel like everyone's probably guessing, you know, nine out of 10, 10 <laughs> out of 10. You know, I think people are kind of, bl- I'm blown away that you would say 70% because I'm like, no, from like 45 feet, he's still like 90%. <laughs> the, way, the way I look at it is that if I'm in the circle, it needs to be made. If I'm outside the circle, it's bonus. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It makes sense. So yeah. how far back can you go from the basket where you feel like I should hit that 70%. Is it all the way through circle two or does it really decline by the time you get out there, you know, um, at circle two's edge? Uh, it depends on the day, but generalizing, I'd say once you get past 35 feet, you know, 40 feet, it probably goes down to five every two and a half feet. You maybe you maybe lose a, a made putt. Yeah. So I'll sense. just say this, and we're transitioning to judge that disc golfer. Hole four at Idlewild, I thought this is going to be a chance to be under par further than you are holes played, and you hit the basket um, rim at the top. Uh, it was it was a bid for, I think it was a very, very smart bid. Uh, you don't need to recap that, but it seemed like a, uh, it's not a half bid. It was a very smart bid. It wasn't your typical straight spin putt right at it. Um, <clears throat> and then hole 16, Man, do you want that one back? That was for the Eagle bid too on 16, probably outside of circle one. Yeah. I definitely want that one back. It was, you know, it, it was outside the circle. Uh, but I just, I think I thought about it for too long. Uh, I put a little too much pop on it, or I don't know what it was. It was just, you know, outside the circle, I'm pretty confident in my stroke. If I'm, if I'm making seven out of 10, I mean, chances are they're going to go in, but you know, it was that it was that 30 percent that got me just, you know, just it's they, they slip away sometimes. And you got to You got to be OK with it. If you miss mm-hmm. if, if you miss anything outside the circle, then I think uh, and complain about it. I think you should just be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, Nick? You can't complain yeah. when you miss a putt outside the circle. Um, so <laughs> 34 feet, I'll complain. So I think it was funny because filming it, I. I mean, I'll just say it. I get behind the scene access, if you will, like during the round. And I get to see maybe if you're talking out loud. And I've noticed you talk out loud sometimes between holes. You're talking to yourself. And I'm not going to lie. I was, I was, I try to be like, even though I'm there, I'm like, that's private. And so I just run by and I'm like, don't listen to what he's saying and just go. But um, when you miss that eagle putt on 16, it, I don't know why it struck me as a little funny, but your name being eagle. And then when you, you hit the rim, you said... <laughs> 
when you hit the rim, you said, like, you yelled out, like, eagle. <laughs> I was like, no, it wasn't an eagle. <laughs> no, no, birdie, eagle. birdie. <laughs> so. Oh, boy. That, that is funny. I didn't think yeah. of it like that. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend actually is making fun of me. She's like, I, I think it's funny how when you mess up, you just say your name. Yeah. Like, eagle. <laughs> it's like, no, no, that was a bogey that time. That was a bogey. Scorekeeper's like, nah, eagle, that's a bogey. You didn't, you didn't eagle it. Okay, oh so let's do this. Let's go right into judge that disc golfer. Whoever gets the most right wins the game, and Nick owes them a lunch. If 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 Eagle wins, he gets if a I, if if Eagle wins, I owe you lunch. We know how it's gonna go, Nick. All right, so here comes yeah. Judge that disc golfer. Judge that disc golfer, the game show where you judge a disc golfer you've never met. Hey man, my name's Matt. Thanks for coming on the show. What's your name? Trevor, thanks, man. Nice to be here. All right, Trevor, can you tell me a little bit about your disc golf history? How long have you been playing disc golf? I started uh, this season, and I've played maybe half a dozen times. Maybe half a dozen times. Did yeah. you start because of COVID? No, I started okay. because my friends were really into it, and I liked playing like ultimate pickup frisbee. So I thought it'd be a good uh, transition. Okay, awesome. Uh, so you've only played a few times. You're probably not a member of the PDGA. I don't even know what that is. Okay, doesn't even know what that is, Nick. I don't know who our guest is this week, but they don't they don't know. And so have you ever played in a tournament then? <laughs> Any league play? No. Nope. Nothing competition. Okay. But you're here at Maple Hill. What layout did you play? We played mostly whites. Um and we spliced in a couple reds. Okay. Um that my friend uh Judge would be more fun for us. <laughs> okay. So do you know the pro scene at all? Do you have any favorite pro disc golfers? Couldn't name one, no. Couldn't name one. I saw right. one on a disc in there. His face was on it, but I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> Just say a random first name. No. Billy. <laughs> Billy. Billy. <laughs> Billy Bomber. All right. Billy Bomber. Um, yeah. Okay. Here we go. So, all right. Let's ask this question. How far can you throw a disc? Okay. Here's how the game's played. We know. So we're going to let our guest go first on this one. Um, no, actually, let's, let's, let's go over to Nick. Let's give our guest the privilege of hearing Nick's answer. So, Nick, how far is he going to say that he can throw a disc? 150 feet. 150 feet. That's uh, judging him. That's judging him pretty hard, Nick. So, uh, Half a dozen times. So, Eagle, this guy does not know who you are at all. So, like, he doesn't care how you judge him any more than anybody else, which is lucky for him. Now, this is... This is a pick for you because in the end of this game, if we're tied, this answer that you give is going to be the tiebreaker who is closest on this answer. So what do you think he's going to answer? I'm going to say 250 feet because I think since he's so new, he doesn't really know how to judge distance. Okay. So Nick said, would you said 150, Nick? Yep. Okay. Yep. And 250 to Eagle. Let's see what his answer is and then we'll let it play through until the next question. We'll tally the score. Um, I could probably get a good maybe 300 feet. Okay. 300 oh feet. If I gave you 10 <laughs> For those of our listeners, he just looked off camera like skeptical like, yeah, maybe not. Confirming. All right. So if I was to give you 10 putters, right a stack of 10 putters and you went to what we call the circle's edge which is about the edge of the island there where it starts and you were to putt at the basket how many would go in from right there yeah um okay so let's tally up the scores first of all eagle got that one correct he was only 50 feet off um nick was 150 yeah. feet off 
Already starting good. Yep, starting good. So Eagle's got one point. Yeah. Eagle, do you think he can throw 300 feet? No. Yeah. Absolutely not. Same. It is surprising nothing, how nothing far. Nothing against the guy. It's just, you know, even with a little ultimate background. 300. Playing six rounds of disc golf. I mean. If I'm on. being honest and Eagle, we've, we've never played a round together. One day I'd love to change that. But I threw my mid range, like I throw a mid range, maybe 300 feet when I throw it like hard. So like that's me playing for 14 years. Okay. Let's go on to uh question. Oh no, we actually asked him 10 putters. How many is he going to get in Eagle? You're up from circles edge or it's Maple Hill. It's a little, probably just barely outside circles edge. How many does he say he gets in? I'd say four. Okay. He's going with four. Nick, how many does he say he gets in? I kind of wanted to say four. <laughs> I think five's a little too much. So I'm going to go with three, three out of 10. All right. Playing the odds. Let's see what he answers. Out of 10. <laughs> I might get one. Okay. <laughs> one is the answer. If you were to get a disc golf tattoo, okay, I know you're new to the game. You probably think that would be absurd. But if you were, mm -hmm. would it be a putter hitting the front rim of a basket? Mm -hmm. Would it be the Tasmanian devil, uh -huh. the cartoon, throwing a 360 drive? That means he spins around before he throws. A single basket or a disc golf phrase, a cool one, like grip it or rip it or death putt. Okay, so we asked him if he was to get a disc golf tattoo, and he's like, dude, that's a crazy question. I just started playing. But which tattoo would he get? I think we're going to Nick with this one. Nick, what? And you can choose the same. Let's get that out of the way now. You can choose the same. You don't yeah. have to choose different. Yeah. Nick, you're up. Well, so it doesn't look like he has any tattoos, at least none that are visible. So I'm going to go with he's kind of a simplistic kind of person. I'm going to go with the single cage. Okay. Just so one single simple. basket. Uh Eagle, how yeah. do you judge this guy? What what kind of tattoo would he have? I think I gotta go with the Tasmanian devil just because he it sounds inviting the way he described it. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> Eagle, you were considering it even. You're like, that's great. Um awesome. So Okay, so let's hear let's hear what he answers, and it's tied right now, correct? Nick one, Eagle one. All right, here we go. Yeah, this is question three. Let's see who the point goes to if it goes to anybody. Um, definitely Tasmanian Devil throwing a three sixty. That sounds oh my really cool. god! All right, awesome. <laughs> and if you had to that's, choose that's unfavorable weather conditions to play a competitive round, I know you're new, but your first day competing, and it's unfavorable weather, would you choose? 20 mile an hour winds, moderate rain, so like consistent rain, or playing in the snow. Okay, so if you didn't catch the first half of that, first of all, Eagle gets that point. So it's two to one. This is the final question. And we asked him, if you heard, would he rather playing his first competitive round, would he rather 20 mile an hour winds, snow, or moderate rain? Um, this one goes to Eagle. <laughs> uh, I think he's going to say rain. W wind scares a lot of new players off. Okay. We've had, we've had people answer all different here. I think we've had yeah. almost every type answer of weather condition. Nick, what do you answer? Yep. I'll go with snow on this one. Okay. Snow. And that's what we had last time. Someone guessed they said they'd rather shovel the snow in their underwear than have rain or something. 
All right. So let's see. Eagle said rain. Nick said snow. Um, as long as Nick doesn't get it right, Eagle's the winner. So let's see what happens. Um, I think wind sounds the least terrible of those. So I'm going to go wind. <laughs> right on, man. That's what I choose too. So win. All right. Thanks for being on the show so much, Trevor. Uh, have a great day. You too. Okay, and just like that, Nick owes another lunch to our episode 13 winner, Eagle McMahon. So I think that's 12 out of 13 lunches that I owe. (laughs) 12 out Um, of 13. Yeah. You know, I I blame that last one on Eagle a little bit because Eagle's obviously a much smarter disc golfer than I am. And so I took his advice that this new player wouldn't like the wind that much. That terrifies him. So I was like, all right, he's going to be cool. You know, he'd rather just suit up where and play in the snow. But so I think Eagle was doing some psychological warfare and I'm, I'm going to put my blame on that one. <laughs> well, congrats, like Eagle. You apparently, you apparently are able to judge disc golfers very well. So congratulations. Um, if you have five more minutes, we're going to go through internet disc golf questions. We'd love to get your input on how you would answer these, and then we'll cut you loose to do whatever else you've got to do that's more important than the Nick and Matt show. So let's jump right into this new internet disc golf question segment. Internet disc golf questions. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Nick's laughing. <laughs> I haven't seen that one yet. <laughs> We're all up here laughing. I don't know if that one gets my approval, Matt. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, that's so funny. Okay, so here's how it works. We're going to pull up on the screen random internet quish- disc golf questions we've pulled up and... Um, we're going to answer them the best we can. So here comes question number one. So I'm getting pretty good snap. You can hear it ripping out of my grip, and yet I'm not getting any great distance. I always thought good snappage was the result of good form, but I still don't think I've broken 300 feet maybe a couple times. Nick, what, what, or Eagle, what's going on here? Good snappage. <laughs> a lot of good snappage. Oh man, this is a great question. I think he's I think he's worried too much about you know snapping his wrist, and that doesn't really have anything to do with anything. All all snappage is is your fingers catching the the bottom part of the disc. It's actually slowing the disc down. Yeah, it creates drag to it. So, you know, I think he just needs to go watch a few YouTube videos on backhand <laughs> technique, uh, learn to use, use his lower body, you know, get a, a nice straight reach back and good uh, weight transfer. So agreed. That, that's pretty much it. I was going to say, if you actually, if you watch old school, Will Shushrick, he doesn't get a snap at all. Actually, like he has a very clean release when he throws a disc. So snap isn't everything, obviously. No, and I'm not one to coach on that. So I'm going to pass on this one. That just made me laugh because his wording was great. Snappage. So here comes question two. All right. It goes like this. Oh, let me, let me pull it up. That's question one. Question two has, (laughs) Oh gosh. Has anybody ever developed a deep blister under the callus on your index finger, right at the first knuckle where it grips the disc? 
trying to figure out what to do with it. I've got a tournament this weekend and I'm having a hard time throwing because it's pretty tender. <laughs> really annoying. LOL. Any solutions or ideas? I tried tape, but I couldn't get couldn't get a good release i'm watching eagle on the other screen like smiling and laughing so eagle you might have experience with this have you ever got blisters there and how do you fix it we you know getting a, a cut or blister on your throwing hand is incredibly challenging because that's all you think about and it drastically changes the way you throw so I'm actually pretty careful of where I put my hands before a tournament. Uh, but weird enough, I get my finger splits um, kind of on the top, which, uh, you know, I actually, I actually use new skin and super glue to kind of uh, patch up. You know, it's probably not the best idea putting super glue on your skin, but I do it because it's the most, you know, it's, it's going to work the best the quickest uh, with new skin you kind of have to layer uh, I recommend him trying it you know if you can layer uh, new skin before round and get it primed but if that breaks open then just super glue that bad boy super glue yeah that that's what I've used in the past I know Paul uses um, a certain brand of glue that helps out with his fingers he actually uses it just about every round I think um, but I remember when I was on a Waco I went from you know, 30 degree weather to what felt like 75, 80 degree weather. And I remember my index finger splitting right, right open. And I used some of Paul's glue and I actually, I still had a good release. It, it helped out a ton. Actually, I didn't try tape yet. I've, I've never had to try that. Okay. You know, tape, tape is something that you kind of, you should dedicate your whole disc golf game to if you're going to use it. Like yeah. Nate, Goss, Nate Goss, for example, always tapes his fingers mm -hmm. uh so that's just becomes what you're used to um because once you tape if you tape something uh you know third round of the tournament final day you're that's all you're going to be thinking about and it's gonna it's gonna mess you up so if you can tape your fingers and practice uh, and get used to it that's going to be the most beneficial long term agreed Wow. Agreed. Great insight. If only these people knew that their questions were being read on the show, they might yeah. listen. <laughs> we just steal them and make it anonymous. And here we go. All right. This yeah. is question number three. What are the chances a Sexton Firebird is actually a PD mold? I swear the Sextons feel more like PDs than Firebirds. And look who we have here. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I'll let Eagle take over this one completely because he, he's a big fan of PDs from what I heard. He throws them pretty well. So I'll let him take over this one all the way. Well, first off, I'm going to burst this bubble and say there's zero chance because uh, I know I know the, the mold pieces that go into a Firebird and a PD and they're, they're much different. So I think that's pretty much all I can say to that question. Uh, you know, there, there are a few similarities in flight. Uh, I'd say the PD is a little bit faster. You can get a little bit more distance. Um, but at the end, the Sexton Firebird is going to have a little bit more uh, overstability to them uh, on average. So yeah, 
Sorry, Charlie. I think that's <laughs> yeah. what his name was. I think it's funny when people ask those questions. It's like they're like, I'm sure I, I figured it out. Uh, yeah. Okay. Here we go with um I think this is question four, and I think we have five. So let's go ahead and pull this one up. Here it is. I drove one hour to play. I got home and noticed my WSD harp is not in my bag. Sad face. Lost it. Damn. What should I do? Buy another harp or find a new replacement? Nick, what do you think? Well, he should be throwing zones instead of harps. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, if, if he likes the flight and the feel of a harp, then, yeah, I'd say go out and try to find the same exact harp and also write your name and number on your disc. Maybe you'll get a call back. I agree. I just, I just love that he was so distraught from, you know, misplacing his harp slash losing it that he had to ask what he should do. Uh, you know, if I, if I lost one of my favorite discs, uh, I probably wouldn't ask someone if I get a new, if I should get a new one or not, I'd probably yeah. just, you know, go get one. <laughs> That's why these questions are so great. I just go screen capture what I find and it's just amazing what's out there. Okay. We've got two right. questions left. Here it is. I'm interested in both of your answers. All right. What do you guys do when it's too dark for disc golf? And um, there's a picture here of a guy's guitar and it looks like he's at some nightclub or something playing. So what do you do when it's too dark for disc golf? Um, Eagle, what are some other things you do besides disc golf? Oh gosh, I was, I might've given uh, kind of an inappropriate answer. Uh, <laughs> but you know, let's, let's just say glow disc golf. That's one of the more obvious question or <laughs> obvious answers, but, uh, to get to some, uh, actual good answers. Uh, I enjoy cooking. I really enjoy listening to, uh, music when COVID wasn't happening. I was, I love to, to go see shows. Um, and you know, I, in the last couple of years, I've really enjoyed working out, uh, with, a you know, when I have the time and also disc golf strong is a, a big part of the sport now. So, um, I'm connected with Seth over there who does a lot. So, you know, that's something that I find big in my life. I like watching anime, uh, and really as when I'm out on tour, my number one thing to do off the course, if I'm looking to kill some time, especially since it's summer, I really like to go find a, a nice lake or river to, to swim in, which Actually, After dark? Probably not at night, though. <laughs> yeah. Probably at night when it's dark yeah. out. That's cool. That's cool. We find Eagle out in the lake yeah. at night just swimming around. Just swimming 9 o'clock at night, just, you know, getting a shower. In. Speaking of which, people at Ledgestone are swimming in the lake, and I just saw a pose going, remember, no swimming in the lake. So, Nick, what do you do after dark? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or I no, like that's not the way it was posed. The, yeah. the question was posed, what do you yeah. do when it's too dark for disc golf? I, uh, I enjoy watching disc golf. Um, actually I love watching YouTube or one of my favorite things to do actually is watch Twitch streams. So like, I actually very much enjoy watching people play video games and, uh, I'm an avid piano player. So I love playing the piano as I watch disc golf or video games. Yeah. And so. for me, it's, uh, I like photography. I like doing video production stuff as a hobby on the side. I've got four kids that when they go to sleep, I probably am just like trying to sit down and relax. But here's one totally random. I don't want to say obscure, but if you really know me like deep, 
I like doing things with marbles, and I'm talking like marble contraptions and tracks and Rube Goldberg type stuff. Now that's like, yeah, <laughs> go go find me on social media, look it up. Yeah. Sometimes I get carried away. So um, that is mine, and this is the last question, and we'll end with this one before we let Eagle go. Here comes question number five. After a round or two, do you clean your discs? If so, do you have a special process? And that had 43 comments on it. So, Eagle, do you clean your discs? I, I actually do. Oh. I do. <laughs> this is excellent. This is a great question, I think. <laughs> um, but it, the, the way I clean them, you know, I'm not, I'm not throwing them all in the dishwasher or anything like that. I know some people like to fill up a bathtub and let them soak. All I do is get a wet rag uh, and a dry rag and, you know, just get the dirt off try to, to scrub them as clean as I can. Every once in a while, uh, if you hit like a, if you hit a tree or something that has a, some sticky substance on it, it kind of, you know, leaves some gross stuff on your disc. Take some uh, acetone and wipe, wipe that off. It gives it a, a super clean feeling. And, you know, personally, I like, I like looking at clean discs. I think it gives, it's a, it's a mind game. It gives you some confidence. Uh, some people probably don't really even care, but personally, I'm, I can be OCD at times. So, you know, all the, all the confidence I can get from uh, looking at something I like that, that helps me. So I have cleaned, no, sure. I have cleaned discs before, but it's usually if they've like are super muddy after a wet round or I found them outside in my yard, I'll clean them before I put them in my bag. But besides that, like if they're in my bag, I've never taken them out to clean. Nick, have you ever done that? Uh, I think years and years ago before a tournament, cause I saw someone else do it. I think I cleaned them once, like actually soaked up a bathtub, got them all wet and then wiped them all down. But In normally the if I notice like, yeah, notice, uh, excuse me. Normally <laughs> if I kind of like Eagle, if I, if I notice my disc has something on it or is a little dirty, something like that, I'll take a splash of water and I'll just kind of wipe it down really quick. Usually from water that I'm drinking, a little uh, but I've never at this point, I don't specifically go and like, you know, oh my gosh, it's before a tournament. I got to do my ritual of cleaning all my discs. You spit shine. You know, I just get a little, co little yeah. get a little COVID on there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Um, so I'll say this, Eagle. I, and I don't know why, but I laughed more on this show with you. Like I, we had other funny things, but I've laughed more. So I'm feeling just really happy right now. Just like a nice dopamine high. <laughs> and it's nice to relate that to having you on the show. So yeah. we totally appreciate it. Do you have any closing, uh, parting way type deals, any shout outs or anything you want to give, um, to our, again, our billion listeners. There's a lot of people out there. Uh, no, I'll make it, I'll make it short and sweet. I, I want to thank you guys for having me on. This was a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, a lot of smiles. Uh, I enjoyed the both segments, uh, judge the disc offer and random internet disc golf questions. Uh, and I'll, I'll just shout out, uh, my, my main sponsors, disc mania, grip equipment, disc golf strong. You know, they, they fuel me out on the road. It's, it's great to have a, a good support system behind my back. Shout out to my family my girlfriend, all, all that jazz. Awesome. So really quick, I give everyone kind of quick 30 seconds, shameless little plug. Where can the people find you? I know you do a YouTube channel. You're awesome at the blogs and you also, your Instagram is one of the biggest in disc golf, but for the people who don't follow you, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find uh, my Instagram. It's uh, Eagle underscore WMCM. It's the same on Twitter. Uh, I have a fan page on Facebook, Eagle McMahon. 
Uh, check out Eagles Vlogs on YouTube. I'm somewhat active there, probably post uh, at least uh, two or three times a month, maybe more. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, those are those are the places you can find me. Awesome. Also, cool. congratulations. Last two. If you see me on Joe Mez Pro, then things are going right. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Dude. Congrats on your back-to-back yeah. Disc Golf Pro Tour wins. And also, congratulations. You just, August 12th, something big happened with you in Discmania. You came out with your second series of the Cloudbreaker. Was it August 12th? It's coming August 20th. 20th. So, okay. I don't know why I thought 12th. We're hyping it up right now. I think it's going to be a, a really big release. Uh, if you guys are interested, um, I believe it's going to be going on sale 9 a.m. Mountain Time on the 20th. So make sure to be at a computer ready to buy because uh, it's projected to sell out quick. So oh, for sure. I, It'll I, yeah, I appreciate It'll anyone sell out. who's uh, getting ready to support that disc. Uh, it's uh, It's really good. Awesome. Well, again, thank you, Eagle. Totally appreciate it. Um, We're doing this thing with Simon where we have him on every 10 episodes. We're going to reach out again. You just be looking for that message. We'll reach out again in the future. We totally appreciate it. All right, man. I'd be happy to be back. Totally cool. Yeah, dude. Appreciate it. Have a great evening, Uh, Simon. I just said Simon. Have a great evening, (laughs) Eagle. This is Eagle. (laughs) Yeah, where's Simon over your shoulder? All right. Peace out, Eagle. Peace out. Peace out, buddy. Yeah. Well, Nick. Nick, Simon was Simon was over your shoulder. So like earlier, he was. I'm still looking to see if he's there. So yeah. that was no, they're, they're upstairs right now. I think eating dinner. Oh well, Nick, that was an excellent interview. Like Eagle, yeah. did you know? I was laughing a lot, and I think it was just he's so easy to talk to. So oh, for sure, Eagles. So I actually, I think I first met Eagle in 2016. I had never met him before. But then all of a sudden, Hannah and Paul asked if he could stay at my house for the uh, Vibram Open back then. And so I was like, heck yeah. I mean, I've seen him in coverage. They all say he's a nice kid. He's a vegan. So I don't need to worry about him eating all the hamburgers and everything. But uh, no, nah, he stayed at my house for just about a week. And it was super awesome. He got along super well with my family. Um, it's funny. He Eagle's a really good cook. And it's insane, actually, how much Eagle eats. Like he was loading up these like massive Tupperware bowls that we have just like, you know, whatever <laughs> foods he really enjoys. But uh, no, it's, it's awesome. When I when I get to travel out on the road, it's a really good time. Obviously seeing Eagle uh, majority of the time I've seen his dad out on the road. His dad is a wicked nice guy. Um, they're very, very similar. And uh, so being able to have him on the show was a huge treat tonight. I hope that everyone listening and watching can just appreciate you know, having arguably the hottest player on tour right now, he's playing the best. Having him on our show tonight was an incredible, incredible time. Okay. So let's talk about it. Cause I totally agree with that hottest player right now. Now, I think even last year or two years ago, whatever it was, even Paul called him out once. Paul was like, again, I think this was a year or two ago. And he says, someone mm-hmm. asked him who the best player is or whatever. And he goes right now, he's like Eagle. Now, it, and now let's talk about it now two disc golf pro tour wins in a row we were going to do this tournament recap earlier but it just worked out to have uh, eagle in right away yeah for okay sure. so 1048 rated average golf to win idlewild 1048 now to put that in perspective and he even alluded to hey i missed some of this missed some of that he even said it post round three i was there interviewing with uh terry miller and he said um like for himself, his personal satisfaction, he felt like he left some out there. And it's totally, it's totally there because at Deglo, he rated 1,064 to win. So 1,048 mm-hmm. is a little bit lower than that. And and to put it out there to the people, I think Idlewild was 
it's pretty wooded. It's long in the woods. It's wooded. You've been there before, Nick. Would you consider that a wooded yep. course? Yes, more so than a majority of courses that the Pro Tour players play. Right. Okay, so Nick, what do you think the MPO had to average to get last cash? So what do you think last cash, cash average rated round was to get last cash at Idlewild? It honestly, I, that's pretty difficult because it's surprising for me. I didn't know that it was 1048 is what you had to average. So I got to think about this really quick because um, that feels lower than what I thought it would have been. So but what do you think? Last cash. Throw a number. 993. Wow, really close. You're within like half a stroke. It was 999. So uh, okay. if you played yeah. your rating there, Nick, you would not have cashed. You would have been close, but you would not have cashed. So. Um, yep. let's talk about this most notable MPO players who did not cash. Now I had to do some digging here. When I say notable, I don't necessarily mean the best. I just mean notable. And mm -hmm. so who do you think is on that list? Do you know? Oh, I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. His name starts, I was trying to think of his question. name starts with a B. He's kind of popular lately. Brian Earhart. <laughs> Brody. I don't know. Brody's Brody oh, Smith. Well, yeah, bro yeah. Okay. Brody Smith. Notable. Yeah. I notable. Ryan Earhart, not, nothing against him, obviously, but he's just, when you say B, he's the first person yeah. I thought of. No, and, and so Brody obviously <laughs> yeah. has come a long way in a short period of time, but he's a yep. notable player, didn't cash. Uh, Lance Brown obviously won the Wintertime Open a year or two ago. He's a great player, beat Paul at that event. Um, I think he's mm -hmm. notable to say that he didn't cash. In fact, he really didn't do very good at Idlewild. Um, yeah. Terry Roethlisberger. Um, I've never had the privilege of meeting Terry, but I'm surprised he didn't cash based off of his rating. Yeah. Okay, Same. so who do you think had the most disappointing performance? MPO, Idlewild, most disappointing performance. I would say, you know, obviously a lot of people are going to say Paul because he was in the lead final round, but I kind of, because that's such an obvious answer. <laughs> I want to get away from that, and I want to say Kevin Jones, only in the sense of Kevin has been in contention to win that tournament in the past. Kevin Jones has won that tournament in the past. And so I think for him, I think he placed, it was either just in the top 10 or just outside of the top 10 i can't he got 14th right place with minus 18 okay, okay 14th with minus it was 18 okay it was 14th place that's what i thought i just didn't want to say the wrong thing no that's but fine yeah, so i think that's your he pick was, he was the disappointing one yep my pick is james conrad um oh yeah surprising when you think of woods you don't think of eagle apparently even though i think that should start mm -hmm. to change but you do think of you do think of james conrad like in my opinion, you think of those, well, you think yeah. of hole nine at Idlewild. That's what he aced with a backhand putter. Okay. It's, uh -huh. it's smooth off the tee pad. Um, but he got 44th place shooting. I say only, but minus nine. Okay. Nine down on par. Um, also uh -huh. though, in the running that I was going to pick was Emerson Keith also 44th. Yep. Uh, it's, it's surprising. I feel like it's surprising. Um, but that just goes to show you that, I mean, it shows you whenever the winner wins, like that they did something excellent when you see other players, you know, shooting yeah. poorly. Um, that course is hard, man. You actually got to see it in person now, but <laughs> that course, if you're off your game just a little bit, um, especially with your drives off the tee pad there, it's, it's very tough. I mean, look at a hole number six, you know, Paul took a double bogey in the last round. He took a seven on it, just a slightly errant drive turned into an OB stroke and then he threw from the drop zone. And then you go to the right, then you go to the left. Are you talking about hole six? Is the, it, isn't hole six yeah, the six, roller, right? the backhand roller? I thought that was five. 
No, I'm sorry. I meant hole seven. You're right. Hole six is the backhand roller. I meant hole seven. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> I was just there. So it's in my head. I'd never be able to correct yeah, you before. No. Um, so I always forget about hole five. It's got the cool green. Yes. Okay. So yeah, there's a lot of cool greens there. So most impressive surprise finish MPO, most impressive surprise finish MPO. I'm going to get it out here first is Jordan Castro. That guy mm -hmm. I want to, let me see here. He took 11th place, which may or may not sound that great to most people, but minus 20 is no joke. In the final 12 holes of round two, the final 12 of round two, he shot 11 down. And here's the deal. If he does not take the six, I know this is a disc golfer's mentality. If he doesn't take yeah. the six and on hole five in round two, he took a six, one six in that round. If he doesn't take that on round two and he gets the birdie, like the most of the top 20 did in that round. Okay he ends in a tie for fourth place, like on the lead card. Um, so he was just that one hole off. And, and from my perspective, um, mm -hmm. so you, you gave us, you gave a surprising pick in my opinion, a surprise finish. Do you remember who you picked? Yeah, it was, it was kind of, and I want to say this beforehand, I'm not surprised he did this well, but I'm also surprised that he didn't finish better than he did. So it's kind of like he's my surprise pick, but he's also, in a sense, my disappointed Hold pick. Hold on. Before you get and that he's one. He's a really good friend of mine, so obviously I can say this about him. But um, Adam Hammes was on the lead card the final round. Adam is a filthy good woods player. He's a phenomenal putter. And uh, he just kind of played a very nonchalant round. Like, wasn't getting birdies, but wasn't really getting bogeys. So it was just like, look, he was in the position he obviously had the opportunities to capitalize when Paul wasn't capitalizing. And unfortunately it didn't go his way. So no, it's weird. Like totally solid player. We're going to talk yeah. about ratings too, but you did give me another yeah. name earlier and I was a little surprised. His name starts with Eagle and it ends with McMahon. <laughs> you, oh, yeah. you had him well, as a surprise. Uh, yeah, finish. Obviously the surprise when I'm not surprised Eagle won because of his caliber of play. But if I'm not mistaken, I think that's his first time out there. I could be totally wrong. And a large majority of people look at Eagle as an open player. And I kind of think of it as, you know, obviously I've seen Eagle play Maple Hill. I've seen Eagle play the courses up in Vermont, very wooded courses. And he hasn't particularly done as well at them as he does more open courses. And so when you get to Idlewild, which is one of the most wooded courses that the guys play on the tour, the, you know, males and females play on the tour for him to, especially off the chase card. I mean, yeah. I'm surprised anyone beat Paul well, because Paul had the lead after the second round. Yeah, that so. that was actually going to be more of like what the surprise was, I thought, was like it's a chase card yeah. victory. That's a surprise. I think that's oh, yeah. honestly, I think that's always a surprise. <clears throat> so chase card victory. Um, he shot in the final round, the victory round, shooting 11 down through 11 holes, the first 11 holes, moving up six spots to beat out the lead card. And yes, Adam Ham is finishing fifth as you mentioned, minus yeah. 22. So here's the quick stats for FPO. Let's do the same thing. What do you think the average rating, any guesses for FPO to win? And shout out to Ellen Widboom, obviously on that. But what do you think the average rating was for her to win? 984. Close, because D-Glow was 985, okay? And that was um, obviously just oh, two weeks okay, prior so to that. So I would say probably a little less than, right? <clears throat> yes, so Ellen Widboom averaged 974. 78. Okay. Close, <laughs> close, still, yeah. still better than me. They're playing better than me by like four strokes around, which shout out to them. Like, that's awesome. Not that I'm great. I'm saying like, that's how much better they are. 
Um, mm-hmm. So FPO average rating to cash. So last cash was 925. Okay, you had to shoot 925 as an FPO player. And just to put it in perspective, D-Glow two weeks prior was 920. So you actually had to play a little better to cash it, Idlewild. Um, let's talk about the most notable FPO players who didn't cash, okay, at D, uh, not at D-Glow, sorry, at Idlewild. Um, <clears throat> this was Rebecca Cox, didn't cash. Yep. Kona Panis. Now, we had her on the show two shows or three shows ago. Just a couple, yeah, and, just a couple weeks ago. Um, I, I know you can't predict how your game's going to go, but she was obviously feeling really inspired and I'm sure this really bummed mm-hmm. her out, but she didn't make cash. Um, and then also Elaine King, um, didn't cash. That's a, yeah. That's a big surprise to me, but it's a long course, man. It's so those, long course. yeah, those were the most notable. <clears throat> she plays pretty yeah. good in the woods though. She, I mean, it, I think it was in her wheelhouse. I just think she didn't capitalize. So how about the biggest disappointments in the FPO division? For me, it was, <laughs> and I picked this, I picked this during the gloat too, Lisa Fakus. So this is the second yeah. disc golf pro tour that Lisa has been the biggest disappointment. She's averaged 929, which is 13 points behind her rating in these, these events. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my pick. Um, you, you had a pick who, who, who is your biggest disappointment? I think I kind of want to, put them together now but Paige and cat i want to say are kind of my two biggest disappointments at it because same thing they've both either won the tournament or have been in contention in the past to win it and neither of them i you know obviously both of them didn't play to what they normally like their caliber of play so i would say for those two <laughs> uh we got the chat boards being like do we really have to talk about the biggest disappointments <laughs> so yeah Paige yeah, ended up know, right? fourth uh, fourth place, um, finishing plus 12. I don't think there was any under par at that event for FPO as far as like final round. Um, and then most impressive finish. If this makes our listeners feel a little better, we talked about disappointment, but our most impressive finish, Ellen Widboom. This is two events in a row for me that I've selected her and this one she won. Um, so we both, we both chose Ellen Widboom. Um, she beat out 12, higher rated FPO players taking first and then obviously second at D-Glow, but first at this event. And at D-Glow, she beat 10 higher rated players. Nick, is her rating going to be on the way up after these two events? I would hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. The rating system, man, it's still, you know, this thing that I can't grasp. So, but I I would hope she's definitely got to be going up after these couple events. And I'm pretty sure she's doing all right in Ledgestone right now. Okay. So, yeah, I, I'm not going to pull it up right now while we're live on the show. Um, yeah. But let's talk just a little bit about ratings. I know it's one of our favorite topics, but let's just do it because we mm-hmm. just had a ratings update uh, this pre- this week. Um, Paige's rating, Paige Pierce rating dropped four points. So mm-hmm. not a crazy drop, but she's now rated 984 as opposed to 988. Um, and let's just talk about this. I went and did a little research, Nick. I've had the nickname before, Statgram. I do enjoy numbers. Um, here's what I came up with. These are the previous, I think it's about seven events here. We'll, we'll read through them. So since, since the Memorial, I'm going to read out her average, average rated rounds. Okay. So like at her event, what was the average rating for the Memorial? She did 1019. That's obviously, that's really good. Yeah. Okay. Um, at Waco 949. So that's, that's almost yeah, that's like at least six strokes swing, like in her performance. Yeah, um, DDO, she played pretty good there. 
averaged mm-hmm. 995 golf. So kind of did an uptick back up again. Not as good as Memorial. Yep. The Preserve Championship, another average rated performance of 1,009. So like back up there again, almost to the Memorial. Yeah. Then she played the Silver Series, Roland Ridge, and this is where Lisa beat her out. She averaged only 956. And I'm, I'm setting this up for a story talk here from you and your opinion on this. At yeah. D-Glow, she averaged 985. Idlewild, 965. From my perspective, she is not playing consistent. I'm not calling her a poor disc golfer because the fact of the matter is she's one of the best disc golfers in the world, MPO or mm-hmm. FPO. That's not the take I'm bringing here. I'm saying she's not seeming very consistent. Why do you think that is, Nick? Uh, I mean, I think one of the things we relate a lot of power to Paige, and it's kind of the same thing when she gets into, besides for MVP Open or Vibram Open back in the day, um, you're going from wide open courses like the Memorial, and then you're going to more tight and technical courses like Waco to where at Memorial, if your drive is a little bit off, you know, and you don't go out of bounds, it's still pretty easy to get up and down either for your par or potentially your birdie still without the picture perfect drive at Waco. On the other hand, if you're off on your drive in the woods, like starting on hole four, you're, you're in a ton of crap. It's hard to fight out of it. And so now you're fighting for par bogey, potentially even double bogey. So I think it's, you know, obviously Paige is the best FPO player out there right now. There's no, no doubt in my mind. And I'll say that every day of the week, but because of the switch of courses that we're consistently having on the tour right now, I think she just needs to figure out, you know, and I think one of the things is, is she's finally back with Discraft. They obviously have new discs compared to what she threw back in the day when she used Discraft. And so she's still probably from what I would say, learning what works best in certain areas. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like it's, this is my take on it and I don't know how many people agree. I've seen it out there, but I've also thought it personally myself. And I've actually heard Simon say this. Okay. We've had Simon on and we've talked to him in other conversations. And the reality is he eventually is realizing like, Hey, I love to have fun. I love to just be a show. I love to just, Mm -hmm. you know, make people smile. And I honestly believe there's a lot of that in page. Now that is obviously not a bad place to come from. That's a really good hearted thing. But I think even Simon said this where he's like, I think I kind of maybe the tide is going to start to change where I would ha- actually would rather win some events, you know, like it's not that he was holding yeah. back, but that sometimes you don't need to be as aggressive. Sometimes you need to say, hey, my game is not on right now and I'm going to play a res- little more reserved. And people can say, well, that's not in her game and I'm not obviously as good as she is. But I do believe that being a little more reserved in some of these throws during certain rounds where she's just not feeling it, I think she'd be able to win easily um, because yeah. she has that in her in her skill set. So that's my take yeah, on it. I agree. <clears throat> um, let's look here. Paul's rating. And I just picked the two best in the world. OK, their ratings right now. Paul's mm-hmm. rating dropped six points. Mm, that's like, what do you feel about that? Do you feel like that was coming or is it you're surprised by that? I was surprised that it was six points. I really didn't think it was going to be that much, but I guess if you kind of take a look at the tournaments that he's been playing recently, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I was thinking a two to four point drop. Okay. You know, I, I was actually pretty, 
pretty surprised that he went from 1062 to 1056. Like I thought he was going to stay in the 1060s, but um, at the same time, when the update did come out, uh, I would say I'm not as surprised. I mean, okay. if you, like I said, if you take a look at his tournaments, you know, it shows right yep, there. I did. I did take a look. <laughs> You're, yeah. You can say thank you later. I actually have him here yeah. since, um, let me see. I think I went all the way back to, no. Okay. I stopped. Oh, maybe I did go back to, um, the winter time open. Okay. So I think I did. Mm -hmm. It was a thousand sixty three rated average. Okay. That's pretty good. Thousand sixty three. Um, yeah, it's not too bad. Not too bad. Memorial championship, a thousand sixty two. So to start the year, it was like Paul's back. Like as in like yeah. his year is starting strong. Uh, wait, he didn't even win Memorial with a ten sixty two average. Right. <laughs> um, and, and real quick, before I go on with Paul, by the way, with that drop for Paul, Eagle is only, what, two points behind the highest rated player in the world. So Eagle's right there. Yeah. They're almost identical, like dead heat. Okay. Um, Waco. Yeah. Waco, Paul shot 1,051 rated. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it kind of dropped a little bit, which, again, it's not really significant when it comes down to, like, amazing performances. But 1,066 at DDO, he won that. Mm -hmm. Battle of Bedford, I'm including in there. I know that was like a local B tier, but he shot 1,047 yeah. rated. D-Glow, you ready for this? It dropped down to 1,032. All right. Um, Idlewild, this was the most recent, obviously. 1,037. It dropped again. And I think at Ledstone, I don't, I'm afraid to pull it up now. Last I looked, he was somewhere, and this is not a spoiler, it's the middle of the tournament, but he was somewhere down near 24th or whatever. And that's that's mm -hmm. the beginning of this second round. So it, it's obviously trending in a direction I'm sure he's not happy with. So you asked about why or you were a little surprised. Here's what we see. If you average out, and this is obviously if Chuck Kennedy's on here, he's going to be like, yeah, no, this isn't correct, Matt. It's not how you do it. But I took his yeah. rated rounds. For the year, and I averaged those. Mm -hmm. Are you ready? It comes up to a thousand and fifty-one average for the year. A thousand and fifty-one for the year. So it's not crazy, like surprising that his rating would drop from thousand sixty-two. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and let's just say it: is Paul playing below his potential as of late? The last two tournaments. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. Um, is for him, I'm sure he's not happy, but do you think um, the game of disc golf in some ways is benefiting from that? And I mean that in the sense of like Eagle had to earn his win, no joke. But if, um, if Paul just continues to win all the time, like you've talked about that before, like is it good yeah, if Paul I mean, just if, wins if everything? Paul, if Paul continues to win everything, I mean, I, I would hope that that would motivate players who are top caliber, top echelon, kind of those S tier pros, I would hope that would motivate them to get even better to finally compete with Paul. And I think you're starting to see that in a select few people, mm. Calvin Eagle, Ricky, um, Chris Dickerson has been killing it lately. Just another one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Paul, Paul's ceiling is incredibly high with how well he can shoot. There's, there's no better player. If you're going to take everyone's best round that they could ever play, you know, I, I don't think there are many people who would say Paul's not the top person for that category. But lately, Paul's been in a little bit of a funk. I'm sure he's going to get out of it like he always does. I mean, look at 2016. Everyone said he was done. He's washed up. He was dealing with, you know, half a broken back at the time. So 
a couple <laughs> tournaments that Paul doesn't win, all that really, and I'm, you know, I'm good friends with Paul. All that really does is motivate him to get better for the next tournaments that are coming up. This year is weird. This year is whack. You know, there are a ton of different things that are going on with Deglo, you know, and then you get a week off and then you're right to Idlewild. And then from Idlewild, you drive straight to Illinois. Obviously, every single year, the tour is going to be different. All depends on how your body's performing. But I don't know. I wouldn't get used to it. You know, that's just what I'm going to say. I wouldn't <laughs> so, get used to seeing Paul like, down, I you, I know down Paul. the leaderboard. Yeah, I think if I was just to give my perspective, and I have zero insider information. This is literally just as a fan. Um, and I could be totally speculating wrong, and maybe this will just fuel his fire more. But it seems to me like his mental game right now, not mental game as in um, the ability to concentrate on his shots, but mental game as in, as you mentioned, this year is much different than any other year. And it seems to me as if it hasn't allowed the normal, repetitive uh, planning of how events go in him to where yeah. he's, he's, I don't feel like he's firing on all cylinders. Like, I feel like it's, mm-hmm. it's just different. Um, obviously now that's, one, that's not to say others don't have the same experience. It's just my observation. Yeah. I mean, one thing that fires up a lot of people, especially the top players in our sport is having hundreds or thousands of fans watching on outside the ropes. You know, that's one thing that pretty much pumps up. I would say anyone at this point is actually being able to have spectators watch the sport every single event that we're playing right now is limited on, you know, either no spectators or a limited amount of spectators. And so you're kind of like, obviously you're playing for the thousands and thousands of viewers who are watching you live, but to a lot of top players, there's no better feeling than like when Paul hit that huge Eagle putt in 16, you know, the only claps that he's getting are people on his card mates and the U disc guy that's following them around. (laughs) You know, he's not getting, you know, the hundreds or thousands of people cheering him and like, dude, that was just the sickest putt. You know, now we're potentially, you know, he birdies 17, boom, he birdies 18. And now we got a playoff. Like you don't, kinda, I can, you don't get, you don't get that same feeling. And I, I remember him saying that back when, you know, he had played in a tier last year, Memorial day weekend. Some people came out and watched it. Paul absolutely shredded the first round, but it's kind of like eight people are clapping for him in the woods. It, it's different. It's a wacky year, you know? So apparently at, um, Ledstone right now, they're in their fifth hour and they're on hole 16. So, um, that's what someone just commented. It, it's, 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 it's crazy. Pitch black here in Maine. I can't imagine how it is. I'm sure They're throwing glow discs right there. now. No, I'm not sure, but that is a long Dude, round. So, yeah. um, I will just say, I agree. And being there filming Eagles round, I didn't even talk about this when he, I was filming from catch cam when Eagle threw in that throw in. And it's weird. As you said, there's nobody around to have that roar of a cheer. Yeah. It's like I'm standing there. First of all, as catch cam, I can't really scream out because I'll ruin the footage. But on yeah. his side, there was like his card and a, a throw cam guy. And I think that was it. Uh, his girlfriend was somewhere in the vicinity with a camera doing some type of media. And you hear like mm-hmm. a yay, let's go. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's just not the same. All right. It's like you don't even know if his shot even stayed in the basket because he's throwing a blind shot. So yeah. it's like, well, I heard chains. I know. And I wanted to be like, I was like trying to like happened? pump my fist. I'm like, it's in. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're getting close to the end here. Just uh, random news because we've talked about it before, Nick. The DDO mm-hmm. coverage on CBS Sports. We've talked about this before. Um, if you want to hear all the conversation relating to, hey, is that good, bad for the sport? Just go back to our previous episode, find that. But August, it's announced, Nick. August 26. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 27, 28, 29, four days in a row at 7 p.m. That sounds like a great schedule for me. Um, and actually, uh, I 
feel like that is a Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. I'd have to look at the schedule again. So we'll definitely talk about it. Um, just a reminder to people, don't complain about it right now. Go get your free subscription when that week comes. So in about 10 days or so, sign up for a free subscription to YouTube TV yeah. or Hulu Live. Okay, Sub free subscription about 10 days from now and enjoy it. Okay, just take it in. It's going to be impressive. It's unlike anything we've ever seen, I believe. The crew is huge, multi-card coverage, the whole nine yards. <clears throat> All right. Um, and then this, Nick. Did you happen to, are you uh, uh, up to date with... Um, Ledstone at all and what went down with a rules violation uh, during the FPO round yesterday? Absolutely not. I've heard nothing about it, to be honest. All right. Well. The thing I was, I, you know, I, so I took work off today, obviously to come up to Maine and play, but one of the things I had to do before going to Maine was I had to go get my COVID test done. So I found a place that would do it and give me results within 13 minutes. So honestly, you know, I'm negative by the way, everyone, <laughs> but uh, honestly, disc golf hasn't really, I haven't checked in live scores right. in a while. This is perfect. So I have no idea. This is actually perfect then because I, I want to know your perspective on something. And you're probably going to have some type of tip off. But let me just ask you and give me your genuine response without trying to figure out where I'm going with this. Do you feel like there's a rule in the PDGA rule book that says you cannot place an object anywhere in front of you to help um, you with your aim? Okay. So like, you, I can't you briefly pick, mention this now. Can I pick in my text? In okay. Our text. Can I pick a rock up and walk forward and be like, Ooh, that's a good aim point. And like set the rock down in yeah. the fairway and use that as an aim point. I want to say no with a rock because you're kind of taking away the course. There's some sort of rule where you can't, it's like, you can't take down a live branch that's on a tree okay but a rock know, is a rock is dead and un, it's movable it's less brush can but i take yeah, can i take I, a leaf a dead be, leaf to be honest i have no idea okay I'm, so that's I'm what i was brutally honest. yeah and honestly no. that's what i, I no, no no i'm sorry i want to say yes like a, a dead leaf or a rock I, i'll just go ahead and say it. i'll say yes okay as in you should be or you can you think you could you wouldn't call you, yeah you, you wouldn't call that to. rule so here's on the FPO uh, coverage yesterday, they cut to a card that had Lisa Fakus on it, and I even think Kona and some others, right? And Lisa is observed as taking her bag, walking. She's in, like, kind of a, a corner situation where the corner she can't really get around the throw well. So she takes her bag, puts it out in the middle of the fairway as, like, an aim point. Now, have you ever done that, Nick, where you're kind of pinched off on a corner and you're like, I need to just pitch out? And so you'll walk out there and you'll try to see the angle to where you want to pitch to give yourself the best second shot or third shot. Yeah. Well, if you oh, set yeah. your bag out there as like, okay, I just need to land five feet in front of my bag. Apparently, and I didn't know this either. And everyone's probably like, wow, how do you not know the rules? But that's a, that's a, a far out rule in my opinion, pretty obscure. It says you cannot use, um, let me see how it's written here. Um, Okay, placing an object as a directional aid is not allowed. Placing an object. So that's anything. You can't place an object as a directional aid. Um, and so here's, yeah, here's yeah, how it played out. It makes sense. Yeah, well, here's how it played out. So it's on live coverage. Who knows how many thousands of people are watching. And I do not have inside scoop on this, and I wasn't going to bother the Pro Tour today during the event. They're busy as all, you know, get out. But 
I'm curious to know, it's obviously, in my opinion, because somebody observed it, somebody messaged somebody on the Pro Tour, whether it was Jamie Thomas or Val Jenkins or Jeff Spring, CEO, <laughs> or Seth Finley, somebody in the Pro Tour and said, hey, I just saw in your coverage and, and uh, Jamie and Val talked about it. And we're like, oh, that's pretty smart. <laughs> And so <laughs> it's like, no, nah, no. Nah. Yeah. And so, but like, to your point, you didn't know about it. I didn't know about it. I don't, nope. I don't fault them, but like, apparently you can't do that. And so after the round, Jeff spring went and interviewed her and it appears based off of the scorecard that she got a two stroke violation for that. Gotcha. <laughs> so what's interesting though, is, um, let me just see here. It's interesting. Obviously, Jeff has the ability to do that as a tour director, etc. Um, the mm -hmm. group, had they known the rule, should have enforced it right away. Not knowing the rule, obviously, that's why it wasn't enforced. So even on that card, nobody yep. knew. Um, and so here's how we're going to wrap up, Nick. I came up with, I don't know, 10 or 15. We're just going to read them and just see your, your opinion on them are obscure yeah. PDGA rules. And when I say obscure, I actually took the time, Nick, to read the whole, and I've read it multiple times, but read it specifically with the eye of, okay, what's obscure about this? And here's yeah. the first one. Uh, and comment, people, if you feel like you've known this rule or you didn't know this rule. Okay, Nick, if a thrown disc breaks into pieces, its position is that of the largest piece. Now, before I texted you that today, were you aware of that? Yes, because I, in a practice round, I saw someone's disc shatter you know, it was a cold day and we did briefly talk about that rule. So I did actually know that one. Okay. So that, I thought that was pretty interesting slash obscure. It happens maybe more in the colder yeah. regions. How about this? Marking a disc. Now you've played in the winter, marking a mm -hmm. disc with a light, a ribbon or chalk or chalk dust, I should say is allowed only when night or snow play has been announced by the director. So, you can actually quote unquote modify your disc, putting taping ribbons and sprinkling chalk on yeah. it, as long as the the tournament has declared it as a night or a snow round. So I thought that was kind of interesting. All right, let's. Makes sense. Yeah, a disc that is questioned by another player or an official is illegal unless it's sub subsequently approved by the director. So now here's here's how this could play out. Now this would be really poor sportsmanship. But Nick, if I'm playing. And I look over and I'm like, that disc that Nick is throwing doesn't look legal to me. It says if I question it, you cannot throw that disc until a TD approves it. Dang, that's pretty insane. <laughs> Watch, we're going we're gonna to see on Facebook, someone's going to comment or on the uh, internet questions. Oh, did someone just called me out for using disc and I couldn't use it the rest of the round. <laughs> I know, but it, and I started thinking about it. And I'm like, Oh dude, unfair cheating advantage. You just start questioning everybody's favorite discs. Yeah. <laughs> but, that's I'm going to do that to Simon all week, just by the way. So if Simon <laughs> plays really bad, it's because I questioned literally every single disc in his bag. So, and then you would be called for courtesy because you're trying to circumvent the rules and gain an, uh, an, an advantage that's, you know, outside of the spirit <laughs> of the game. All right, so here's another good point, one. Good point. All discs used in play, except mini marker discs, must be uniquely marked. Uniquely marked. A warning yeah. for first throw and then one penalty throw for every shot after that. So what does it mean to you to be uniquely marked, Nick? Um, like your name, uh, initials, whatever, you know, maybe you star everything. They do need to be marked in some sort of way, though. Hmm. 
Do you, I feel like I remember at a Worlds one year, somebody's disc wasn't quite marked, and they both threw a similar disc, and it got, it got brought up. No, yeah. Oh, yeah. But is uniquely marked? Is uniquely marked like, hey, I scraped off a portion of the stamp? No, I think like something marked in Sharpie huh. or pen or whatever or something like that. I, you know, Maybe a piece of tape is uniquely marking it. I, I have no idea. Yeah, but I don't think tape would be allowed, probably. Just for, it, I don't not, know. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, I, that's interesting. So here we go. A throw by a player between the two-minute signal and the start of the round shall receive a warning if observed by two or more players or an official. That makes sense. Subsequent throws by the player during this period, if observed by two or more players or an official, shall result in one penalty throw regardless the number of throws. So I actually don't think I knew that for sure. Because during the two-minute window, I felt like if you threw a shot, that'd be considered a practice shot, which is actually not just a warning. But in the case of that two-minute window, yeah, yeah. two-minute window, it says it's it's uh, a warning. And here's what else was interesting: for it to even be considered a warning, and this is one of the only ones I can recognize this with. There needed to be two people at least, and that's just for a warning. <clears throat> All right, um, we're getting close here. If lightning. If a lightning warning is signaled, players must immediately stop play and mark the lie of each member of the group. A natural object is sufficient for the mark, and you can approximate the lie from which to resume play. So if lightning call happens, you can literally be like, I'm just leaving a stick here and run off. Mm -hmm. Have you ever done that before? Uh, No, the last time I played a tournament that had a lightning delay, I had actually... I hadn't even teed off on the hole yet. And the same thing happened at Deagla last year. So I haven't had to put a mini on the ground or whatever, or use a rock, um, fortunately. <laughs> so I actually had lightning once. I swear it struck. And every time lightning strikes close, it feels super close. But I feel like I had lightning strike like 100 feet from me. And we're like, we didn't hear the horn at that moment, but we just took off running. Yeah. And we just all made approximations of our lies. Oh, yeah. Um, any player younger than 13 must be accompanied by a parent or a guardian, regardless of the division they play. This is becoming more and more of a thing. Oh. If there's a 13-year-old or younger who's playing in AM1 or even pro, um, shout out to Zach Arlinghouse like four years ago. <laughs> that yeah. kid was killing it. But you have to have a parent or guardian with you. Um, I never knew that. That is a rule. I mean, it makes sense. Um, players are not permitted to have audible mobile phones. Or, and this seems old school, audible pagers on the course during competitive round. You cannot have your phone. Audible meaning as in like something with a sound on. Yeah, your sound can't be on. Um, Here we go. Failure to interact fully with your group. What does that mean? Interacting fully with your group. but Just don't talk to them the whole time. Don't tell them your score. Failure to interact fully with your group due to personal music players. And any other devices is considered a courtesy violation. Yeah. So, Nick, this goes back to headphones. I, I hate headphones anyways, so <laughs> right. I like that rule. All right, we're wrapping up on this here. Repeated <laughs> repeated and overt use of profane language gets a warning. Repeated and overt. Yeah. And I had to look up overt, but the idea is, like, you're doing it not discreetly. Like, you're just kind of like, I'm just going to... apparently super out loud. Yeah, apparently that's uh, a warning. Yeah. Throwing items in anger. <laughs> I thought this was funny. Other than discs in play um, is a courtesy violation. And apparently you can throw your disc in anger. 
<laughs> so when you step off the next tee pad, yeah. just crush your disc out of anger and maybe it'll go in. <clears throat> maybe. Um, three more. Deliberately seeking to manipulate one's player rating through intentional misplace or misplay or withdrawal. Have you, I don't want to ask you this. Oh yeah. If you no, I no, I've never done that. I've never, <laughs> you know, sacrificed the putt or like purposely missed to shoot a low enough rating to where it wouldn't hurt my rating, whatever. I've never done that, but I do know of people who have done that or, you know, have tried doing that until someone called them out on it. I, I've heard it happen. <laughs> I've heard it happen. Um, yeah. okay. Uh, all compet- competitors and staff are required to wear a shirt. You have to wear a shirt to compete in a PDGA event. And then finally, it's a very simple, good rule. (laughs) And then finally, players will not be allowed to play in bare feet. Sandals or slides are allowed. Sandals or slides are allowed. Okay. So Ben Askren is good because I know he loves playing in sandals. So, (laughs) all right, Nick, um, that was going to wrap up our topics here. Um, so tell us you're competing in a tournament. I'm actually going to do, I'm going to select the giveaway winner. I know it's at the very end of the show, but before the oh, show yeah, started, I forgot to ask Eagle about that. <laughs> well, before the show started, because I thought this might happen. I asked him to pick a number and you guys can message him and confirm it. If you'd like, um, he picked the number 999. So out of our thousand oh, subscribers that we would. had 999. So, but while I'm looking that up right now, cause that's a lot of numbers to go through. Um, would you tell us what you're doing this weekend? You are playing a tournament. Um, what, what is that? tournament? So I am finally playing a somewhat local tournament. I'm actually really excited to, cause the only two tournaments that I've played this year have been pro tour events. And if you're not feeling good going into those events, it's kind of mentally frustrating, but, um, no, I'm finally playing an event in new England. I'm excited. It's a B tier up here in Maine right now. I'm staying with some incredible hosts. The Sayers have, you know, allowed Simon, Casey, Marky, and I all to stay here, which is pretty incredible. Miles is a pretty incredible player, their son. And um, no, I'm excited. We finally got to check out the course today. It's called Stevens Mountain View. So SMV. And uh, if you look up coverage last year, the Vacation Land Open, New England Disc Golf Productions did the filming of it. It, uh, it looks like a very short, kind of pretty open course but they've added a ton of new long tees to it. They've made new longer placements. So it was kind of a, you know, I was expecting to come up here and throw a lot of mid ranges, putters, maybe fairway drivers. And then a majority of the holes now they turned into, Hey, you're throwing kind of a hybrid driver or distance driver. So that was pretty fun. We had an awesome practice round. Four of us went out and uh, the course is super fun. It's got some incredible views. Uh, It's nice to see actually the mountains in the background, which is one of the reasons why it's called that, but I'm super excited. A B tier main, um, Simon, obviously driving up with him today was really fun. We're, you know, going to be competing. I think it's two rounds, tea time, one a day. So it'd be a good time. <clears throat> Weather's looking pretty good right now. So I'm well, excited. Good luck to you. I, I have a feeling Simon is the, the probably pick to win it, <laughs> but yeah, not if I tell him that he's throwing illegal discs, you know, Hey, then I become the someone favorite. asked and maybe you can just throw it out there. I mean, Eagle, I mean, I'm calling Simon Eagle. <laughs> yeah. Simon Eagle. Eagle um, Simon. What's up? How's Simon's ankle? He's obviously playing. Was it just like an overnight? Like he needed to ice it kind of thing. Oh yeah. He actually messaged me that day that he thought he had twisted it 
on I think it was the 18th tee pad. But if you watch the video, he actually like bangs it yeah. against the board that he's on. Um, he hasn't said anything about it. But he's you know, gonna really play. The only thing that's yeah. <laughs> hey, he's upstairs. Really the only he's thing upstairs watching the show right now. I know he's that dedicated. They, he's been sitting up there for that. They actually all were watching the show earlier when they came down. <laughs> I know. So. I saw that. So if he's watching, he should be yeah. coming down behind you now, looking over your shoulder in a second here. But let's do yeah. this. Let's go ahead. And uh, the winner is selected here. According to how YouTube shows me the subscriber list, uh, the thousand or 999th subscriber goes to Caleb uh, Millar is how it's written here. Millar. Um, awesome. Congratulations to Caleb. Um, so if Caleb hasn't listened this far, he's not going to know. So it depends how dedicated you are. He gets the lucky win yeah. on the bag and the disc. What we're going to do though, um, we're going to give him two shows. So like tonight's the 14th, 21st or yep. the, the 20th would be our 28th. next show on Thursday. Oh, sorry. The 27th, yeah, so the 27th would be our second show. If he does not claim it by the 28th, which would be the end of that second week, we will draw another. So let me write that down. Yeah. August 28th. You must reach out to us. Do it through uh, YouTube messages. You can comment. Uh, we might not see the comment it's very Instagram. well. Instagram. Instagram you know, message. Me Madden, Facebook message. message. Um, yeah. yeah. Contact us. Do what you can to contact us. I think our email is yeah. the Nick and Matt DG show at gmail.com. Uh, contact us. And Caleb, you want a bag and a few discs? We're going to start our 2K subscriber giveaway. Uh, we're going to have to build Starting that up. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to build yeah. that up. So to all of our followers, our subscribers, our commenters, our podcast listeners, you keep inspiring us. Um, it is literally you that keeps us going. Um, we were so happy to have Eagle on. We hope that we can keep bringing you great content. Nick, uh, good luck. Good luck this weekend. I hope, you. I hope you play Appreciate above your it. rating, you know? <laughs> I do too, man. I, I was pretty nervous that my rating was going to go down after D-Glow. Somehow, someway, the ratings gods were being very generous, and my rating stayed exactly the same. So <laughs> I'm very happy with that. But uh, no, I, I'm excited. I'm I'm very excited to play a tournament that isn't a Pro Tour event. Um, I have a lot of good friends that are up here right now. So I'm pumped. I'm wicked pumped, actually. Awesome. All right. Well, we will catch up next week and good luck and have a great evening. Peace out, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Nick and Matt show. Be sure to check us out on your favorite social platform and subscribe on iTunes.